Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. Just a couple of months ago, it seemed like the worst of the coronavirus pandemic was behind us. But the spread of the highly contagious Delta variant has created a surge worse than what we saw last summer. In the past week, Florida has broken records for new COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. It comes as students prepare to return to class. Public health experts urge children ages 12 and older to get the COVID vaccine and wear masks in school. But Governor Ron DeSantis has banned schools from requiring masks. On today's show, we look at how schools and parents are trying to prepare for another pandemic school year. Carrie Sheridan is WUSF's education reporter. So, Carrie, the school year is starting soon. Uh, what are local school officials saying and doing uh, in terms of, of uh, COVID safety protocols this year versus uh, how they handled the pandemic last year? Well, the the main thing that will be missing is the mask being required at school. Um, that's just going to be optional. It's up to the parents to decide whether they want their children to wear a mask in school or not. So that's the main point of mitigation that was in place last year that will not be there this year. Um, There's also no remote option in a lot of cases where last year we had teachers who would teach concurrently, where they would teach to their students in class and also via Zoom for those who couldn't attend because maybe they were sick at home or, you know, for health reasons, their parents wanted them to stay out of school. That's not an option this year either. There will be no concurrent learning. So what I have heard from schools is they do have quarantine policies where, uh, similar to last year, they're being helped by the Florida Department of Health in contact tracing um, and quarantine of people who've been exposed. But uh, they'll have also like hand washing stations, encouraging um, using hand sanitizer and things. But social distancing is only going to be encouraged, not necessarily implemented. And so it's really kind of a half, half the situation that we had last year in terms of protection. And the other factor in this is that we have this um, executive order from Governor DeSantis uh, that he signed last week that essentially bars school districts from requiring that students wear masks. And public health officials say mask wearing is still the best way to mitigate the spread of COVID, especially since children under the age of 12 can't get vaccinated. So how are school districts balancing this order from Governor DeSantis, which bans masks, and the consensus from public health experts saying kids need to wear masks to uh, to keep the virus from spreading? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I haven't gotten a good answer from the uh, spokespeople that I've talked to at area schools. I mean, they they say that their hands are kind of tied by this order. It's, it's not an order that bans masks per se. It's an order that bans mandates on masks. So it's really up to the parents to decide. And if you've watched 
or participated in school board meetings anywhere in the region over the past year or two, you know how divided parents are on this issue. It's, it does really seem to be about half and half, where half, half of the parents follow public health advice from federal authorities, the CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics. They all say masking is the best way to prevent the spread of coronavirus, and it works best when the person wearing the mask is in a room where everyone else is masked as well. Um, and then you have the other half of parents who believe it's a personal choice. They believe that masks are an infringement of their liberty or their, they have all kinds of reasons, sometimes cherry picking studies that show they're not super effective. But you know, in this case, a lot of schools around the country are listening to what the CDC says and the American Academy of Pediatrics in Florida is being told you can't do what the government is telling you to do because DeSantis has banned mandatory masks in school. So what happens if there's an outbreak in a school? Uh, You've already said that districts can't do virtual learning again. So what happens in that that case? Well, I've asked uh, a few of the spokespeople that from area schools, and they've said, well, you know, um, kids have always gotten sick, and uh, we'll find a way to get them their assignments that they can follow along at home. Um, but a quarantine period will will last at least 10 days, according to CDC and Florida Department of Health recommendations, or seven days if a child gets a PCR test on day six that's negative. So you're looking at a real high possibility that children will be exposed and will be asked to quarantine at home for at least 10 days. And they will not be able to follow along virtually with their own classrooms like they could last year. They'll have to just, parents will have to make arrangements to care for their children at home. And we have to remember, too, that doctors say this Delta variant is extremely contagious, much more contagious than the coronavirus we had last year when we had most schools, most everyone in schools wearing masks. So really just putting children into an environment where they're very likely to get sick um, and parents will very likely have to make arrangements to care for them at home. I know some school districts in the region were holding uh, vaccine uh, clinics where students could get the the shot, uh, those who are eligible who are over the age of 12, uh, earlier in the summer. Are there plans to do those now or in the near future that we're headed into the school year? I haven't heard anything about plans for new vaccination clinics. We do periodically get notifications as parents in our school district of, you know, a, a vaccine clinic happening at a school nearby on a certain date. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that will continue, but I don't think we're going to see a real push from schools to get children vaccinated. I think that still since the vaccine's under emergency authorization and it has not been approved for children under 12 yet, uh, schools are taking a kind of a wait and see approach to how much they'll be encouraging or ever, if, if they will ever even mandate that vaccine as a part of the regular package of immunizations that children usually do have to have to get to school. Going back to Governor DeSantis's order on masks, I know you spoke with a, an attorney in Tallahassee who specializes in, in school district related issues, and he said that a, a legal challenge to the governor's order is, is likely. How, how could that play out? Yeah, I spoke to attorney Ron Meyer, who's been working on education law and related cases for almost 50 years. Now, he's semi-retired, and he's not personally leading any litigation on this, but he's been in talks with a number of parties who are considering it, because the Florida State Constitution clearly lays out that local school boards have the right to make policies 
for their own districts. They are elected by local people and can consider local conditions. Um, now, that could be the foundation for a lawsuit um, against the executive order that Governor Ron DeSantis has signed about not mandating masks in school. But one school board member that I spoke to told me that um, the concern is the Parents' Bill of Rights, which Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law earlier this year, and that makes it a parent's choice. All health decisions for a child are up to the parent. So that being law, that kind of ties the hands of school boards, they say, that they may not be able to implement a policy like everyone needs to wear a mask because it's law in Florida that only parents can make that decision. That's a health decision for their children. Kind of related to that, we got a question from Caroline in St. Petersburg, and she was wondering, will teachers and staff be required to be vaccinated? Uh, She goes on to say, if a teacher gets COVID from school policies, could the school board or uh, State Department of Education be sued with regards to teachers being required to being vaccinated. I, I'm assuming that answer is no, because the governor has has not been in favor of vaccine mandates and the like. But if you could answer that the, that question from Caroline. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't foresee, of course, I'm not a legal expert, so I can't answer the legal part of it. But there will not be any vaccine requirement for teachers or staff, as far as I can tell. Um, from what I've spoken to people about. And that Parents' Bill of Rights I was just talking about actually bars any educational institution from requiring documentation of vaccination. Uh, So that means, you know, having a vaccine card is not going to be a condition of employment. So they really can't even ask a teacher if they've been vaccinated or not. Um, And another part of that law states that In order for a person to attend or enroll in a school, they also don't have to show evidence of post-infection recovery. So if somebody's been infected with coronavirus and had a positive test, they may not, a school may not even be able to require that they show it's been a certain number of days since they've recovered before they come back. So Florida is not implementing protections uh, in terms of public health that you're seeing in a lot of other states. You mentioned your own kids, and I know you're you're a parent. You've been navigating this work from home, school from home environment that so many people have. How are your kids, and how are you feeling about going back to in person instruction in in a week or so? You know, Bradley, this is one of those situations where, as a reporter and a person in the community, you know, you're you're I'm living what I'm covering, and. Uh, I'm very concerned about my children's health. I'm very worried about sending them to school in a situation where only half the children are wearing masks, in a situation where the school cannot act the way they know they should in order to protect the health of everyone. Um, So, you know, what I do with that is I report, I call up doctors, I interview people, um, I uh, do what I can to feel that I'm doing something to let people know you know, what experts are saying about this. And, you know, personal choice is great in a lot of circumstances, but personal choice, I think, is just really too risky in this situation, particularly because I interviewed doctors, a pediatric infectious disease specialist the other day, who explained to me that while it's true that most children do get better from coronavirus, it's really impossible to tell who will get really sick and die from it. 
it's just impossible to tell. It really doesn't have to do with comorbidities or other health problems. Um, it, it can strike your child and it can kill your child. And if, if that's your child who's died from it, there's no level of risk that would have ever been acceptable, you know? So um, that, that to me is, that's, that was a real eye opener for me that, you, you know, you think that maybe my kids are strong or, you know, <laughs> they have good immune systems. I hear people say this and stuff, but the reality is this virus doesn't care. And uh, it can strike children, and it has killed children. So it's a big risk that a lot of parents are facing, and they're having to face it literally with days to go before making a decision about whether to send their children back. It's a tough time. Yeah. I'm thinking back, Carrie, just to close, the, the reporting that you did last year and, and earlier this year on uh, migrant farm children who had kind of fell out of, uh, of the, hill, the school system in Hillsborough County last year and social workers had to go look for them to make sure that they were, they were still attending school virtually and that they were also, you know, getting all the things that kids are supposed to, to, supposed to have in, in school. Have you had any follow-up with those families and those kids as, as they're thinking about this, the school year coming up? I haven't yet, but a lot of those farm workers um, will come back to the area in the next couple of months. So around October, November is when that uh, strawberry and blueberry season is really going to start picking up around here. So I do hope to, to follow up on that and find out how, how that situation looks, because they did lose quite a number of students, a, a record number of students during the pandemic. And uh, yes, it'll be very interesting to find out this year how that looks for all kinds of students. All right, Carrie, that's it for my questions. Anything else you want to add? Anything I didn't ask you about that I think I should have? Well, I think that um, I, I would encourage parents to be involved, you know, um, to write to your local principal, you know, to your school board, let them know how you feel. Um, just, just make sure that you stay part of the process, no matter how you feel about the issue. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bradley. It's a pleasure. That was WUSF education reporter Carrie Sheridan. You're listening to Florida Matters. Our show continues in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. Today, we're looking at how schools and parents are preparing for a new school year amid a rise in COVID-19 cases. Dr. Marissa Levine is professor of public health practice and family medicine at the University of South Florida's College of Public Health. We spoke via Zoom. As we look ahead to the school year, is the, the rise of the Delta variant and COVID a, a cause for concern for, for school districts and parents as, uh, as the new school year starts? I think it's a, this is a good question and it's very important for parents to be fully aware of what's actually happening in the community. The honest answer to your question is we don't know. But there is concern because we're talking about a different situation than we've had in the past. This is coronavirus, but it's now the Delta variant primarily. And we don't have a lot of experience with this. Uh, and we certainly don't know what the implications are for unvaccinated children. So I think it's a time for parents to be aware and for everybody to take a layered approach to protection similar to what we've been talking about before. 
And to emphasize again, the, the vaccines are available for most people ages 12 and up. This is not the situation we were in, say, a year and a year and a half ago at the beginning of the pandemic where we didn't have a vaccine and all you could do was mask and social distance and isolate. We do have a tool available at least to uh, to help slow the spread of, uh, of this variant and, uh, and other variants of COVID. That's right. And that's why we've been really pushing that everybody 12 and older makes themselves uh, available to get vaccinated. The good thing about this, despite the fact that we're seeing new cases and significant rise in cases, is that the vaccines work. They were designed to protect people from becoming seriously ill, ending up in the hospital and dying. And they have worked tremendously well here and around the, and around the world. So anybody 12 and older, I definitely recommend get vaccinated. The issue right now, though, is if you got vaccinated today, depending upon which vaccine you got, it could take anywhere from two to six weeks to reach a full level of protection of, of immunity. So right now, with all the cases that are increasing, and you if you get protected, if you get vaccinated, you still have to protect yourself through other means, social distancing, physical uh, masking, for example and uh, the hygienic practices we've talked about before. So would your advice be for people who are listening to this right now, and if they have school-age children, age 12 and older, if they've not been vaccinated, probably to do that ASAP, right? It's available, and I recommend you, you do exactly that. What about, will, will we reach a point, perhaps, where the vaccines are approved for, for children below the age of 12? Well, we're all hoping that will happen sooner rather than later, and it's really not clear exactly when. It will not happen before school starts. Probably won't happen in the beginning of the school year. We're probably talking about later in the calendar year, but I think everybody needs to, to stay aware of the developments because uh, those trials are, are going on, and we hope those approvals will come sooner rather than later. What do we know about case numbers and the impacts, the health impacts of COVID on school-age children? And that includes people who are in the age range of, of being vaccinated and also younger children. What do we, what do we know about how this, this virus affects kids? So the, the Delta variant that we're talking about now, which is the predominant variant of COVID, is, does not appear to cause more serious illness. And we don't really know uh, if there's any difference in terms of what we had seen before with children. Children generally were less affected. We hope that continues, uh, but we need to watch and see because we learn throughout this whole pandemic. The issue now is really, I would say a numbers game more than anything. We just have so much disease in our communities now and it has risen so dramatically that anybody who's unprotected, uh, particularly if you're older, where you have underlying health issues, and that could be of any age, uh, you are at risk of getting seriously ill. And what's happening is just that, people are ending up in the hospital. Uh, and although maybe four or five weeks ago, we heard the hospital saying they were thinking of closing their COVID units. Now, many of the hospitals are saying, we don't think we have enough beds for COVID patients. So we have seen a dramatic change. And that with that significant number of cases in our community, that means even children are at higher risk because you know that the, the population of children is not just a homogeneous group of well 
um, individuals. Uh, unfortunately, we do have children who have underlying medical issues and that puts them at risk of problems with COVID. So we're seeing increases in pediatric cases. I hope we don't see deaths, um, but in all likelihood, just because of the sheer amount of disease, we're gonna see more issue with children. I think that's why we need to take all the precautions that we know work. There's been so much misinformation and disinformation around COVID. I wonder what specifically have you heard with regards to the Delta variant that people are saying that that are myths or misinformation? Well, what I've heard is that people are treating it as they've treated COVID previously and tried to deny the significance of it. Uh, And I think that's the worst thing we can do right now. I'm not here to scare people. I am here to inform individuals because I think everybody needs to have an awareness of what's happening so that they can take the steps that they need to. The the issue that we have, uh, the facts, if you will, are telling us that although the vaccine works to do what it was intended to do, we could still potentially get infected with the virus and transmit it to other people even if we've been vaccinated with this Delta variant now. Uh, And that means if you are vaccinated, but you're around people who are are older, having underlying health issues, maybe they're immunocompromised because of cancer therapy, then the right thing to do would be to mask up to protect them from getting COVID. Hopefully that's a small risk, but that's a, a good measure to take just to be sure. And I think like we have in the past, we'll continue to see misinformation. It's really important for people to know this is a real issue. Uh, we're not making this up. And it's really important to take the appropriate action now and to do that collectively as a community to protect one another. You mentioned masking and the, uh, the Florida chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a pretty strong statement last week saying that universal masking in schools is really the only option to prevent the spread of the Delta variant in schools among children and among uh, people who work in schools. But in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has signed this executive order, which essentially bans school districts from uh, imposing mask mandates. They can make, uh, you have different discussions going on in school systems about maybe having classrooms that are masked students only. How are school districts in Florida going to balance this strong public health advice from the health community about wearing masks in school with this political order from the governor that essentially prevents school districts from requiring masks in school? Well, it's really a shame uh, ever since it started that COVID became a political issue. It is a public health issue and public health issues and viruses uh, don't respect borders or uh, political perspectives of any kind. It affects all of us and we do affect one another. Uh, So I think schools are in a really tough place right now because they've mandated not to do exactly what public health says needs to be done. Now, I'd like to think that with the right information, uh, parents will make the best decision uh, that they can. And right now, the best decision is to take a layered approach to protect our children. We, We have the advantage that all last year, We actually had mask use in schools. We had uh, distancing, hygienic practices, and many of the schools have been very successful at uh, upgrading their AV systems, which also helps 
And guess what? That worked pretty well because schools did not become a place of transmission, not of any, to any significant level. So why not replicate that now? Mandate or no mandate, why not we, we as a community just do the right thing uh, and do what's worked, especially now when we've seen such a rapid rise in uh, COVID and we know we can't just deny the fact that it's here, uh, plus we don't really know what the impact will be. We know uh, pretty well that the impact could be significantly less if we do all the things that we did before. If we need a mandate, great, but I'd like to say rise up and do what you need to do uh, as a community, protect one another, protect our children, and then it doesn't really matter what the politics are. Looking at how other countries have dealt with the Delta variant, the UK had a surge uh, in Delta cases that began in the middle of May and it peaked mid-July. What have we learned about that surge and other surges in Delta cases around the world that might point to how this surge will, will play out in Florida? So this all started in India. And unfortunately, uh, the Indian people were hit hard uh, because they didn't take the precautions and this variant just took over. Uh, we don't want to replicate that. To some degree, that's what Florida is experiencing now because we've taken away the collective approach that's needed for a pandemic. So the UK has demonstrated that that you can impact this. And what we've seen now in other European countries where Delta has been found, that because they're continuing their indoor masking, they're masking on public transportation, uh, their other efforts with uh, indoor space, uh, and even considering uh, exactly what the American Academy of Pediatrics has recommended for schools, they're not seeing the rate of rise in Delta cases anywhere near like what we're seeing here in Florida. So we have this kind of natural experiment going on. Uh, and right now we're not winning that experiment here in Florida. So I think that tells us we really need to change the game here and ramp up our efforts. It's not too late, but we have to uh, do that now. And we have to all do our part if we're gonna have impact. We've talked a lot about K through 12 schools in this interview, but I wonder too about universities. The University of South Florida uh, has gone back to full in-person instruction as it was pre-pandemic. Looking forward to the fall and as, as large numbers of uh, college students return to campus, could we see uh, surges on individual uh, campuses of the Delta variant? Well, the good news about the university population is that all those folks, for the most part, are eligible for vaccination. So I'm hopeful that that's not the case. Uh, that said, there are obviously people who are not vaccinated. And here in Florida, there's no, no mandate to be vaccinated. So I think all universities are going to have to watch this very closely and put in appropriate precautions. Uh, it could get very messy if, if universities don't. And, and any entity for that matter. And you're seeing uh, many businesses starting to introduce their own mandates, mandates for vaccination, mandates for uh, mask wearing, for good reason, because it actually makes good business sense. You wanna, you wanna provide a safe environment. And I know USF and other universities are looking at those very issues right now and trying to figure out what the best approaches are, despite what the intention was. Uh, this is very dynamic, we continue to learn and one of the things about a pandemic that hopefully we've learned is that you do continue to learn and you have to continue to adapt and that that's an iterative process. 
thank you so much for uh, for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You have a good day. That was Dr. Marissa Levine, Professor of Public Health Practice and Family Medicine at USF's College of Public Health. And that's our show for this week. You can listen anytime at WUSFnews.org or subscribe to the Florida Matters podcast. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week.